Hey, Austin. Yeah? I've got a story for you. What's that? Um, This movie that we're going to talk about today is Fight Club. And your mother saw this movie before I did. When it first came out on video, she loved it. She raved about it to me. She told me, you have to see this movie. It's incredible. I watched it. I loved it. I told her, 100% right. This is a great movie. We bonded about it. We talked about it a lot. We bought it when it came out on VHS. The summer we both saw this movie was the summer that she was pregnant with you. You are genetically engineered to enjoy this movie more than probably anybody on the planet. And yet... You did not like it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. My name is Phil Rude. My name is Austin, and I am sorry. Don't okay. be sorry. I'm no, sorry. Nobody's sorry for it. We are, uh, we are going to talk about... Hello, and welcome to the 100th episode of The Picture Show with Austin and Phil Rude. I am... Phil Rude, and I'm the dad. And I'm Austin Rude, and I'm the son. Every week we get on mic, and we talk about a movie that we watch. That's right. We're mixing it up a little bit, huh? I, I kind of forgot the first half of well, my well, line. We're only 100 episodes in. I forget. I, 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 you know. I'm allowed to be relaxed, you know. We are relaxed, and I think that'll... I think we're getting more relaxed. Uh, you heard yeah. the opening, dropped in the opening of our very first show. Uh, and I think that'd be kind of fun just to see. I listened to the the whole first episode the other day. Oh, really? Our, I... uh, just to see, uh, like, oh, what did we talk about uh, when we talked about this movie three years ago? And it's it's kind of interesting. We, um, it's a little different, right? We didn't have format yet. We didn't even have a name when we recorded that. Uh, so Yeah, I'm finally named Austin. Yep. Uh, it's about and... time. <laughs> We finally came up with our character names for the show. <laughs> but yes, we're circling back around. We are kicking off our sixth season by taking it all the way back to where we started just over three years ago. Visiting the very first movie we reviewed for this podcast, David Fincher's 1999 satirical masterpiece, Fight Club. Wherein an office drone reinvents himself with the help of his reinvented self by inventing a club where other men who want to reinvent themselves fight the reinvented office worker, his reinvented idea of himself, and other reinvented dudes. And everyone's very angry. Fight Club stars Brad Pitt as Tyler Durden. Edward Norton also as Tyler Durden. Helena Bonham Carter is great as Marla Singer. The late, great, recently deceased Meatloaf as Robert Paulson. Jared Leto as Angel Face, and Zach Grenier as Richard Chesler, and he is Edward Norton's boss, who is just the perfect smarmy middle management corporate douche. I think he's he's great in this movie. He's the unsung hero of this movie, honestly. I think he's just so perfect. He's one of those great character actors that gets plugged into a movie and they just you know, you notice it after a few watches and you just start picking people out of the background. And I think, I think he's awesome. I, I kind of didn't notice him because he was like perfect. Cause that's his job. Yes. <laughs> like what's meant to be like, 
you know, he's ignoring him or he's like fed up with him once right. he's changed. Yes. But, like, yes. That's pretty much it. He's great. This movie is, as I said, directed by David Fincher and is written by Jim Oles, based on the novel by Chuck Palahniuk. Um, and uh, I do recommend that novel as well. If Especially if you enjoyed this movie, I recommend reading the book. You don't get a lot more depth to it, but there are some subtle differences. And it's just, I don't know, it's a, it's a good way to like be a completionist on this. And to see like the original kind of uh, written concept of this movie. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, I, I Or of the story. I do want to read this book because, uh, like, I, I don't want to talk too much about what my new take on this this movie yes. is. But uh, I, I focused a lot more on this as an adaptation of a book. Just, like, when I was watching it, like, I don't know. It's a lot of vignettes and montages and narration. Narration is is real heavy, and it's very clever and very prose heavy and narration. So full of stuff, like it yes. feels like a book, uh, which is kind of cool. I've I've never really seen an adaptation have like this much stuff. Like normally they kind of trim the fat and like focus on certain parts, but this, I mean, I haven't read the book, so I don't actually know. But this feels like a whole book fit into a movie i think they follow the book very closely i've not read the book in a few years uh it's one of those things that uh this is one of the reasons where when i loan a book out i just sort of like look at it as i'm gifting this book i'll never get it back uh because that's what happened with with <laughs> my copy of fight club that i loaned out uh and i just all i can do is say i hope Whoever has that book now, uh, I hope it keeps getting passed along and enjoyed. Uh, but I do remember it being very close. There's a few scenes that are a little bit different. There are some scenes like he meets Tyler Durden in a different way, like meets him on the beach carving this big wooden hand. Uh, it's very strange. Weird. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Some things that just weren't really going to translate to film super well. Uh, I, th I think got shuffled around, but like a lot of the narration is pulled pretty much straight out of the book. You know, it's that same I, kind I of tell, like... style. And I, I think, I think this does when you do pay attention from it, that angle to this movie, it, it does become really evident that even if you didn't know this was from a book, you would go, Oh, this, this is from a book. You would just, mm -hmm. the way it's sort of structured. I, I think what really gives it away is like, the motifs that you hear in like the narration uh about like you know so-and-so's organ and then oh i am jack's yeah. uh sense of resentment or mm -hmm. whatever how, how that keeps appearing throughout the movie how every time his boss shows up he like comments on what tie he's what tie wearing, he's wearing. And how that affects his mood uh and stuff like that just feels like you know because that's in book narration but normally in movies, we're kind of shown visual motifs right. instead. But, like, I really liked this. I, I liked, you know... I like the language of this movie stuff. a lot. I, I think the language of this movie is, is super beneficial to it working. The way he talks about Marla, uh, especially in the beginning when he hates her. Yeah. And he's like, it, it's like the, the sore 
the sore on your tongue that would heal if you could leave it alone. I don't remember exactly what the phrase is, but it's like, it's so poetic that you're like, this is written word. This is, this is out of the book, you know? It's, it's really good. Like, it it's really good. Well written. But to track it back just a hair, we are reviewing this movie because this is a movie that you've changed your opinion on. That's right. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Like, you you initially had uh, kind of a bad impression of this movie. Like I said, I listened to our first episode the other day. And your, your takeaway from this movie was that it didn't do enough to deter the the bad things that they were portraying. Mm-hmm. You didn't think the satire was evident enough to where people would take the lesson away from the movie and that this would kind of set up a a template for not you weren't saying that this will set up a, a template for people to follow. But it was sort of like, this doesn't deter people from, or doesn't communicate the message enough. Right. Um, uh, and to be clear, I still kind of think that. But I I didn't like this movie the first time I watched it. Like, I tried to be, like, I was trying to be nice uh, in that episode. <laughs> I was trying to be like, well, you know, it was good Boy, the good old days when Austin was nice to me on the mic. <laughs> we don't remember those days anymore. <laughs> No, uh, I I just feel like I kind of came in it at the wrong angle with, like, the wrong impression going into it. Re- having reflected on it and then being able to re-watch it now, I saw it differently. Uh, but there was still, I don't know, I, I think it kind of, it's just very easy to watch this movie and, like, be like, oh my gosh, yes, Fight Club. Oh, for and sure. Like, no, look. Be uh, totally toxic about it and not realize that this is, you're the bad guy. What do I talk about all the time on here is media literacy. You know, mm-hmm. the, the lack of media literacy. When this movie came out, people started fight clubs. People started these backyard boxing clubs. Right. Like, And, and people hung this po- poster up in uh, on Brookbot Mountain, me and David had... We had a series within that series that we called the dorm room poster movies. That was these movies that people saw in college and blew their mind open, you know, in in whatever way. But most of the time when you're seeing this as a kid, you're not getting the full pick. You're not quite there. You know, I, I and and so to be fair, you're right. People have never had media literacy and and people do see movies like this and think like, Oh, Tyler Durden's the hero uh, because I, and I, that's what I think the effective part of this movie still to this, you know, like that part of my championing of this movie is still like, Oh, the, the base ideas that Tyler Durden starts laying out, like you get on board with like the anti-consumerism and, and the thing like that. The, You're like the whole first act it's, it, like... and it, and the whole thing works like a cult where they start, bringing you in with something that you totally are on board with. And then it slowly amps up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think you're wrong in any respect to that. I don't think that's a fault of movies any more than I think that the Rick and Morty creators have responsibility for the people who think that Rick Sanchez is some sort of 
hero to be looked up to. Right. It's uh, it, it's never you know? on the fault of the creator. Right. Like, but yeah, I I don't know the, the people who worship this movie. It's a little bit like oh, I'm I'm a little wary. You have How to you, feel you have to you have to find out why they love the movie. You're right. Um, who's your favorite character in it? Who's your favorite character and why? Like what yeah. what do you love about this movie? And, and you know if you. If you like, <laughs> I like the punching, you know, <laughs> like, okay. Okay, sure you do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Marla? You but know, how do like, you, how do you feel, how do you feel about this movie today? I, I think it's really interesting. I like, I think it's, it's like reading an essay that's bringing up like a really good point. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I agree with it a lot, but I'm like, I had a fun time watching it, but I'm also searching for a little bit more, you know, like it, okay. it just kind of misses the mark on like my personal, like, sure. I don't know. Criteria for, for what makes a, a movie really interesting. I don't does think it makes sense. I, yes, it does. I, I don't think this, this movie lacks. If somebody told me they didn't think this movie was interesting, I would say you you were probably not paying attention. I think whether you like this movie or not, I think this is a super interesting movie based right. on a super interesting book. Um, you may not like the execution of it. You may not like the messaging of it. You may miss it all entirely. Um, so if you said, you say it's not interesting, I, I, I push back on that, but you know, again, that's subjective, you know, but I get that you're not as head over heels about this movie as I am because this movie hit me at the right time. And this movie, I just still super lock in with, I, I really enjoyed watching, watching this again last night. And I laughed at jokes that I've laughed at for 20, almost 25 years (laughs) that this movie's been out, you know, because I just think this movie is super clever and, uh, interesting on so many levels and that I still am, picking up more and more things the more i the more i watch it i still find more things to kind of be interested in in this right. movie i i think here's here's where i stand is i like the message of this movie i like the execution i think it's very cool and very interesting and very weird i just it's it's not where my personal taste sure. is kind of like a joke that you're like, oh my gosh, that's so cleverly written, but I don't find it funny. Or you just, like, <laughs> someone tells you a really smart joke and you don't laugh and you just go, that's very funny. Right. Like, <laughs> that's how I feel about this movie. Yeah. Is I'm like, like, yeah, okay, Okay, point. I see it, Fight I see club. it. Sure. And I do remember from re-listening, that was your original takeaway too. You're like, this is a really well-executed movie. Like, on a technical level, mm-hmm. this hits every, every base, uh, but so you you definitely had a lower opinion. You held this movie in lower esteem three years yeah. ago. I, 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 I was really, like, low-key angry at this movie. I think like, I, just I, like, what what is the point? What are you trying to say here? Like, I, I couldn't gel with it. I don't understand how anybody dislikes a movie where Jared Leto just gets punched in the face repeatedly. <laughs> like, it's in nice today's to day and age, uh, the, that should be more popular than ever. Although, to be honest, the actual violence, like, displayed in the movie, too much. 
a little too real. Like, it's perfect for what the movie's going for, but it, exactly. like, on a personal level, it makes me cringe. Sure. So much. Like, the sound of it, which, again, is the whole point, like... This is not meant to be a good thing. It's not supposed to glorify this. It is right. supposed to look ugly and it's not terrible. Rocky. And right, uh, it's a lot more close to Barry that we watch. Oh, and yeah. I know David and I talked a lot when we were doing our episodes on Barry. You can also find it earlier in the feed, uh, where we were talking about how the violence in Barry. It's some sometimes there's like a a funny bent to it, but by and large, like gunfights in Barry are never shown like violence is cool and violence is fun. It's always shown as like really ugly mm-hmm. and really real and shocking. There's no choreographed fights in it. It's just loud and fast and terrible and sometimes funny. <laughs> But usually not. Well, when they're like launching rockets at houses and, right. and it's going horribly wrong, yes. But like the the bottom line of that, it like spoiler alert, the ending of that was not going to be John Wick gunfights. It was going to be terrible violence uh, executed quickly and horribly. Sad and gross. Yes, it's supposed to be tragic, and right. I think that's what Fight Club does. Is it's sort of like. Even when they're talking about how great fighting is and how alive they feel when they're fighting, like you're seeing, you're seeing what it's doing to them. Like mm-hmm. Edward Norton gets slowly like uglier over the course of the movie. You know what I mean? His eyes are sunk in. He's he's getting more and more grotesque because he's just being beaten into this monster every week you know i mean the the scene where he beats jared leto it's, like it's horrible awful yeah and even like the cult is like uh they're like too the far fuck? yeah because it's breaking even tyler durden his imaginary friend who is supposed to be on his side and is the most extreme figure in the movie is like what was that take a chill pill dude uh, yeah. His his own subconscious is telling him you've you've taken this too far, mm-hmm. and uh, knowing the twist this time, like I kind of knew something was off with the movie the first time I saw, right. it, but I didn't realize until a little later on uh, what the twist was. But when uh, I I keep forgetting her name, I'm sorry, Marla. Marla, yeah, yeah, mainly because she's only in the movie for a little bit. Uh, Maybe that's not fair. She's fairly but, significant, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Marla, uh, w- when like he he says Tyler's not here, right? That scene is like kind of chilling. Like the look on her face is proper horrified. Yes. Uh, which is, I think, the fun of repeat viewings on this is it gives a whole different context to the look on her face after you know why she's looking at him that way. Mm-hmm. You know. It's, it's really strange uh, when, from her point of view. And she like, says something on her way out. She's like, you're you're certifiable. Like, you're crazy. You know, she's... And she's right. Yes. This man <laughs> she's 100% is not right. safe. Yeah. Um, Yikes. But yeah, to get to the, the violence part of it again, there is the part earlier on when they sort of first show that Fight Club is becoming a thing and they're in the basement. Yeah. And... Edward Norton is in that fight with, uh, is that big black dude? 
who's like punching his face down on the concrete right, like repeatedly. Him, yeah. And he's talking about the how people cheering is like speaking in tongues and he's comparing it to this religious experience. Mm-hmm. And when he pulls away and he looks back at the floor and there's like the the blood splatter and it is, there's something Jesus-like about it. You know, like the Shroud of Turin where, you know, Jesus' face is on the the shroud. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, I, like the... Yeah, you, you saw Jesus in that? No, no, no. I didn't see it in that, but there's something paralleling that when talking about the religious experience. But that that is the weird thing is it's it's talking about this spiritually uplifting idea of church. You know, like all of these things about a religion that should be positive. And I understand in the real world, all religious things like that are not inherently positive but, to but everybody. Spiritual union, but spiritual, uh, you know? in, in a perfect world, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so ugly. And, you know, instead of Jesus's face on the shroud being a miracle, it's this ugly blood splatter on a dirty cement floor. And he's just had the shit kicked out of him. And he's talking about what a, what a positive thing. There's something very, very uh, contradictory about that. Mm-hmm. That well, I think makes it a really interesting concept. Yeah, I I, I feel like that's also in the scene where uh, he's he's getting the chemical burn. On oh his yes, hand. that's uh, oh I love and that scene. Honestly, he, he keeps trying to go back to that safe place that right. they were talking about in in the group therapy or whatever. Right, uh, and like it's contrasted with him literally hurting himself. For no reason other than to be like, I'm stronger, I'm better, like, it's you know, that yes. contradiction. The, the idea of, of he's, trying, he's trying to go to a safe place in his head, and he's also telling himself, no, stay with, don't, like, understand what pain feels like. Don't hide from it. Like, face it. Like, right. like, and there's, like, some real, like, grains of real great stuff in these things you know what i mean like this idea of like yes you should have hardship on your in your life i i really believe that i really believe everybody should have hardship in their life because if you really grow from it you really teach from uh if you go out and seek it then you're self-destructive then there's you know what i mean like there is a it's not helping you right you're you're uh you're punishing yourself for no reason and and it's just like that's the line this movie walks that i think leads to people misunder I, I think some people just inherently have no understanding no media literacy some people are looking for toxic people to justify their own shit so they like latch onto this movie and they don't want to know the lesson and some people i think legitimately have a trouble with this movie because it walks that line where it's like he is saying something i agree with but He's getting there in the worst fucking way possible. It's well, so it's so difficult. Well, they're able to hear everything he's saying and like they know the problems that he's talking about and so they just they're willing to be like, right. yeah, his answer makes total sense. I'm going to ignore all of the negative stuff that points out that he's the bad guy. Do we have to point out like the obvious parallel in the real world? 
I, I mean, we don't have <laughs> everybody to. like gets it right. Like, let's just ignore all the obvious pitfalls with this person. But I mean, I think that's another reason. Like, this is so interesting because this is a real thing. I mean, and the the cult thing in general. Yeah. Like, uh, the, this whole movie is about group mentality. Yes. Like, I w- whether you're joining support groups that you don't even really belong in because you you know, feel emotionally mm-hmm. detached or whatever, or you're joining a fight club. Like that's, it's, it's, it's all. I want to, I want to talk about uh, the support group thing real quick. Um, uh, my buddy Reed Messerschmidt, who has a podcast called the irrationally exuberant. He did a couple episodes about his sobriety. He's a sober guy. And he talked about f- kind of finding sobriety on his own in largely the same way I did. Uh, just sort of stopped and kind of reset himself. And then he went to an AA meeting with a friend who was getting sober and wanted wanted support, wanted right. someone to go with him. And he went to an AA meeting and he was fascinated by AA. Um, and the way he talks about it, I think this is really good. I really recommend going back and listen, finding those episodes in Reed's back catalog. I'll put them in the show notes. I know I've shouted them out before. Uh, but he t- he talks about how he went to AA and he was really fascinated with it and thought about going back, but really he understood that he was he would be going there as a tourist. He wasn't going there for help. He didn't, you know, it wasn't his way of getting help. He was just fascinated by the way that when you go there, you do go there anonymously. You do leave a lot of your identity, you leave your politics, you leave everything at the door, and everybody goes in on the same level. Mm-hmm. And it really is, in 12 Steps are a really interesting place like that. Like, it, you, everybody goes in, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't matter where you come from, what color you are, what religion you are. Uh, I know some, some of those meetings are church-based, and it does matter, but in a good, a what I would deem a good AA meeting... None of that matters. You go in, you leave it at the door, and everybody is there for one reason, just to hold each other up to get sober. And and, and that's it, like a great thing. It is a great thing. But he also talked about the idea of like, I didn't want to be there as a tourist. I couldn't go there and just treat them like an attraction. That's where people are getting help. And that is totally what the first act of this movie is. Yep. <clears throat> is a guy exploiting people who are trying to get better. Uh, for his own, his own gain. It's it's almost worse than the Fight Club, like <laughs> in, in, not, a, certain, in like, a certain way. Yes, it's because, very violating. Uh, the Fight Club people are there voluntarily, whether they've been uh, swindled into joining that cult or not. Everybody makes choices, but mm-hmm. other people are bearing their souls, trusting that you know, we're all here for the same reason and it's judgment free. It's supposed to be. You're right. Yeah. I I don't know. There's something weird about it, but also it kind of works for like the, that I don't know the, the vibe that this movie has. It's so funny to hear right. like uh, him and her just haggle over, well, you can have Tuesday night and yes. Oh, <laughs> no, I want bowel cancer. He says huh? <laughs> in front of the, the cashier. <laughs> Uh, no, you're uh, like the idea of of the narrator 
Tyler being the bad side of him. It's like, no, you're kind of a bad person anyway. He's kind of an unethical person from the get-go. But but it also really shows that, like, clearly there's something wrong with him from the beginning. There's this, like, searching, longing, sure, misplaced part of him that he's, like, trying to find a group to fit into. He, Almost. he has insomnia. He's dissatisfied. He's anxious about something. Mm-hmm. He's probably angry about something. Um, but he also makes a lot of money working for a major auto manufacturer in deciding whether or not to take defective cars off the road, whether it's cost effective to save lives or not. And he, you know, like, he has an unethical job from the very beginning. He's not a good person. He's a cog in the machine, and he's like, I don't know, he's dissatisfied. He's constantly pointing out the flaws in consumerism and, like, society. But then, like, he he still wants to be a part of it and just, like, vent his anger through toxic masculinity. Well, and uh, him as Tyler talk about that in one of the fight club meetings where he says, and this is like, you know, the Gen Xers he's talking about that this applies to Mm -hmm. where he says, we don't have a great war. We don't have a great depression. We don't have this, this generation defining historical event. And we feel lost. We feel like we have no purpose. We have no, which I think is a real thing. You wonder why Gen Xers are so apathetic. It, it does have a lot to do with that. Yeah. You know, we're pop culture obsessed. We, we didn't have a Vietnam. We didn't, you know, we didn't have, we had the Reagan 80s, which weren't good societally uh, long term. But, you know, he says we're the middle children of history, which I think is a really like uh, uh, clever line. But also I want to talk about this thing that's come out. In the last year or two, a couple, there's, you remember when all the fire festival documentaries came out? Yeah. Like the new one is like Woodstock 99, looking back at Woodstock 99 and the one on HBO I watched last year. I know there's one on Netflix. I haven't seen it, but the one on uh, HBO talks about Woodstock 99 got out of control. The entire place rioted. It was insanely poorly run. A lot of things that people were talking about were there was this undercurrent of really angry young white men in the late 90s. 99 is the same year this movie comes out. And what is this movie talking about? Angry, displaced, young white men with aggression that they don't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. And that was a thing going on. All the music, the music at Woodstock 99, really like Linkin Park, there's all this stuff... Woodstock was a peace and love rock music festival in 1969. 99, it's super aggressive. It's super crazy. Women got sexually assaulted there. Uh, uh, People died. This whole place got torn down, set on fire. It was insane. Completely the opposite of what the original Yeah, There was no context for... And these kids had no context of like what... I mean, we had all heard of it. We knew what it was. But really like... This was just a big music festival that just went completely off the rails. But it's really interesting to watch a documentary talking about. It's a lot of anger. 
There was a lot of anger just waiting to get out. And where was it all coming from? And this movie is exploring that exact same thing that's taking place in that exact same time period. Well, it's all, it's interesting because it's all talking about like real problems, like including like Gen X feeling like they're the lost generation. Like, uh, but rather than be like, here's the societal problem. Here's a possible solution. This movie goes, here's the problem. And here's the problem it's causing is like the wrong solution. And, they play that sure. out like to the max. Like the idea that uh you know, like, oh, you're you don't feel satisfied with the stuff you have, so you're buying all this IKEA stuff. Uh guys like us shouldn't know what a duvet sure. is and yeah. stuff like that. Like that's like the wrong approach to it. Like in in it not because it's like it's not a problem that you know the names of fancy furniture because it's like girly or whatever, like they're implying it's because you're concerned with like constantly buying stuff. I think that's what he's saying when he says, why do we know what a duvet is? Why should we even care? We should have a bigger purpose than just buying things. I'm not, I don't think he's making a judgment on how, how masculine or feminine it is to know what a duvet is. I think he's, I think they're making points about consumerism. And I think this movie is making points about you can be really successful and you can be uh, uh, have the privilege of being white and successful in America and still be really dissatisfied. I'm not trying to come off like a men's rights activist or anything here. No, you're but not. like um, uh, here's a controversial statement before he became uh, uh, extremist clown. I thought Jordan Peterson brought up some decent points in some of the clips that I would see him talking about. Talking about mm-hmm. it, it, it isn't difficult. It's difficult to navigate the world, no matter who you are. And having male and white privilege doesn't alleviate you of having difficulties in the world. Now he took that in a direction of like, I hate feminists, and I wish feminism would die. You know, it's like this isn't a zero sum game. So I'm not trying to be an apologist for Jordan Peterson. Uh, uh, since then, I, I've come to see who that guy really is when he's pushed, and he wears, uh, he dresses like a clown now, <laughs> and it's actually really hard to take seriously. Well, well the more people but, talk, the more you're like, oh, okay. oh, okay, I see what's coming out. Or the more they're pushed, or more they're challenged, or the more they see an idea that could work in concert with theirs that they actually take opposition to, which is, I think, what happened to him. But I'm just saying, I think this movie is talking about a lot of very real things in that uh, you you can have all the privilege in the world and still be dissatisfied and still turn to the wrong things to fill that void. Right. Turn to the Ikea catalog. I I mean, that's, that's what even Tyler's like, I lost all my stuff. I almost had it all. Like yeah. he's constantly like just a little bit away from okay, I I got the sofa problem solved. Except you're never going to be satisfied with right. that. You're going to want a new sofa eventually. It, like, exactly. And and the um and I I like the Tyler mocks him for that. He's like, "Man, I'm so close to being complete." And he goes, "Oh shit, now it's all gone, isn't it?" Like and he's just <laughs> yeah. so unsympathetic. Um you know, because 
he he doesn't care. And you can look at that and go, yeah, he lives kind of like a monk, and there's something uh, there's something admirable about that. You know what I mean? It's sort of like uh, when you look back and you you look at like uh, I know this isn't the reality, but like portrayals of like hobos like Great Depression hobos and like, mm-hmm. oh, they rode the rails and they had no cares and they didn't have money, you know, and it's just sort of like, eh, I'm sure it was much, much worse than that. But like the romanticized version of that is like, you have no bills, you have no care. You have, it doesn't matter that you don't have any money. Right. You know, like... That's uh, essentially yeah. modern day uh, van life people. Van right? life, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's, uh, I mean, I, I know a little bit about like uh, some of the monastic cultures in in the east and it's just sort of like yeah the vow of poverty and you live in this communal space where you grow food and you you know beg for money or what you know whatever and it's just sort of like it it just does sound very very simple (laughs) some days you want to run away to something like that but uh it's not uh, all it's cut out uh, of course not and neither is living in a, a a dank mildewy house uh next to a paper factory like like Tyler Durden does. I, I think the thing with Tyler is he is essentially a nihilist, but he's mistaken that for true enlightenment. Right. Uh, so he's speaking all these half truths. Like they're, it's like, Oh, that's a good point, but it's not all the way true. He's, he's, he's taking the good points to extreme executions. Right. Like and and that's the that's the wildest uh the wildest swing on an easy pitch, you know what I mean? Like it's just sort of like no 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 no. The whole point of this is the simplicity of it. You've gone too far. Right. Like, yeah. It's like extreme Buddhism or extreme Taoism, you know, like and right. it's just sort of like I don't know, the whole point of that is to not push it. Like the whole point of that is the easiest flow. He's like, no, let's burn the world. Let's let's it's tear like, it let's all down. Do right. Um, I I wanted to bring up another uh, parallel to this, and this is also a book uh, written by a, a gay man, mm-hmm. as Chuck uh, Chuck Pahalinek is. Uh, this is Brett Easton Ellis, and he wrote American Psycho which was also adapted into a movie, which is also very largely misunderstood. And, and, and very much about, like, very feeling much empty and alone in society, Being right? alone, searching for, um, having no identity, having no personality, being an empty shell in the corporate world. Right. Uh, and so often that, that movie especially, I don't think the movie executes the book as well as Fight Club executes the book of Fight Club. Uh, The movie was done on a much, much lower budget and some things kind of got cut uh, or the studio wouldn't pay for. uh, Mm. But the the movie, I still think is great. And Jared Leto is in that one too. Um, This is the perfect double feature. It what? really is. I, and honest, really miss honestly, uh, Fight Club and, and American Psycho are both great books and great movies. But, and and both really dark, very funny satires that are taken seriously uh, by either terrible 
or non-media literate people. Like, exactly. You know, and it's just sort of like, oh, no, like, you're missing the entire point of this. But yes, um, I, I would recommend both of those. And the, I think it is funny because the whole thing is those both of these books have been uh, criticized as being misogynistic, anti-woman. Oh, this is written by these incel guys. And it's like, no, these are two gay guys. These are guys who are, are more the targets of, uh, or as much the targets of uh, uh, toxic masculine hate as women are. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but yeah. historically, yes, these guys aren't toxically masculine people. They're making fun of that very thing. It's, now, it, yes. now, to be fair, gay men can be very sure. sexist at times. Like, I think I think that much I'm, I'm, could still be I'm not, true. I'm not throwing the blanket of, oh no, gay people are never toxic or anything like that. But, uh, Brett Easton Ellis certainly has some opinions that I've heard that I think don't gel with every... I don't think he says anything downright hateful, but he's like opposed to like cancel culture and things like that. Things that are... I've heard him say things that would throw him in the like MAGA camps, but he's not a MAGA guy. He's just like, it's oh, just he's just kind of being old. cranky old man. He's behavior. kind of a little bit of, uh, he's like my age and he's like, oh, this is silly. I mean, brand about it if you want to, but who cares? You know, like uh, he's just kind of speaking. That's what I've come to expect yeah. from older celebrities. Yeah, but uh, just it's like, whatever. It's, uh, but yeah, I think, I think Brett Easton Ellis is actually, a pretty interesting guy in, uh, in some of the interviews I've heard with him. But, I think the main thing yeah. is, like, obviously this story is not like, oh yeah, guys are cool, guys are the best. Like, which is what people make it out to be. Right. And what I thought it was, like, for so long, before I'd ever seen the movie. I think it's, I think it's about guys uh, have have a purpose in your life. Have a, you know, have a, have a goal in your life. Drive to something positive, like... I don't think it's necessarily up to society to provide that with you. But, no, it's not uh, society's but job. At a certain point in your life, you should be working towards or on something that gives you some fulfillment. You know. Yeah, have a hobby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get a hobby. Stop being so toxic. <laughs> Honest to God, yes. Play some video games. Who fucking cares? Do something with your life. Forget if. Yeah. Forget about the fact that the corporate hellscape exists and it's a right. nightmare to navigate. Just live your life and, you know, try to be as... Some people's hobbies good as are being can. toxic incels. I heard That's this true. really interesting um, read on... Uh, I know you haven't seen it, but Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've seen The Joker, so uh, I get it. I mean, you've seen, you've seen the cliff notes of Taxi Driver. As a... Uh, um, uh, Mark Maron interviewed Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a scene in Taxi Driver where he takes out this woman that he's kind of pining after. And he takes her to a porno theater to watch a porn movie. And the whole read, and I think almost universally this read has been on it, is that this guy doesn't have social cues. He doesn't understand that this is not something... You do. And the read that I can, I, uh, Paul, Schre- I think it was Schrader who, who kind of hinted that like, 
No, no. Incels want to give... They want to give women a reason to reject them so that they can remain incels and remain angry. And it's, it's new fuel it's, to the fire. Yes. It's, oh, she, I took her to the movies and she rejected me. You know, it's, I it's, paid for her I, ticket. I, yes. And, and it's this really, I never heard that read on that, on that scene and on that movie before, you know, coming from the guy who wrote it. It's like, okay, I get it. Makes but sense. it makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's just sort of like, yes, the incel hmm. community is so, uh, uh, terrible that they, at a certain point you come to understand, oh, they like being there. It's, they like it's, you know it's a like self-sabotage you are in a way. right you identify in a way that makes women not want to sleep with you therefore you get to remain in itself it's well, because just, you know, yes. they've found a group of equally sad men that they have to you have to stay single and sad if sure. you want to find solidarity in that group you know like that's and part of the membership uh, you know we danced around it earlier let's just talk about it the maga crowd the maga crowd jumped on board because these were a lot of people who have not belonged to a community before. They have not felt seen by uh, a political figure before. And who feel and, angry about society. And who feel very angry and who are very hateful towards certain groups. And here becomes somebody who listens to that and enables that. So, of mm-hmm. course, that's where that, again, it's the same kind of cult mentality. Here's these disenfranchised men being told by Tyler Durden. No, no, you do have a place. You do have a purpose and it's with me. On on the flip side, this is kind of out of left field, but stick with no, me. No, no, we're going all over the field right now. <laughs> the movie Midsummer uh like has attracted I pronounced that right, right? Yeah. The the horror movie? I've heard people say Midsommar or yeah, what? the A24 film. Yes, you, we you all know, know what, what you're mean. talking okay. about. Okay. Uh like I've seen a group of people uh, like primarily women who are like, yeah, fuck oh, my yeah, ex the girl, the girl boss thing. Uh, uh, yeah, like they, they essentially it's the same thing. Yes. It's they took all these problems and they were like, the whole movie's about a cult. Like, and right. people are like, wow, that that white supremacist cult that murders people. Yeah, yeah, they're starting to make sense. Right. That was a girl boss moment. Like. That could not be further from the case, but it's the same group mentality right. that's in this. This is essentially like the... It's the, just too far left in the other direction. The Scandinavian Manson family taking, taking psychedelics and <laughs> just murdering people out there. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. People misread stuff all the time. and uh, It's just how it is. Yeah, it is how it is. But, anyway, that's Fight Club. That's Fight Club. Part two. Uh, and can I also say, just real quick, just real quick. No, no, quick, please. We uh, got time. I'm still confused about show. the ending. I, I don't fully get what we're trying to say with, like, I'm with it up until Tyler shoots himself. Which is a great moment of, like, you know, defeating the enemies. So and taking called. control. Yeah. Right. He takes control. But, like, this side of Tyler is also a little crazy. Oh, yeah. And he's also kind of okay with the terrorism at the end. And then it's like, is this a good thing? Is this a happy ending? Is this like... I don't think he's okay with the terrorism at the end. I don't think he's okay with it. Uh, It was just too late for him to do anything about it. And I think that might be part of the reason I like it. Because if it had been, he runs around town and disarms all the bombs. 
that feels too much like a Hollywood ending. Mm-hmm. So it is sort of like, oh, Project Mayhem, uh, it happened, it got carried out, and the he, buildings came down. He, he does take responsibility. He's a full-blown domestic terrorist. Um, you know, this could also be saying, hey, it doesn't matter if he's involved or not. This thing is set in motion, and it's bigger than him now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but on the personal level, he's defeated his personal demon, and uh, he got the girl. Yeah, I guess. Sure. I don't know if he deserves the girl. Oh, no, he doesn't. No, he <laughs> absolutely does not. But, you know, Marla's no saint either. Yeah, it's true. Um, so she, She's got her own problems that, I mean, that that's a whole separate sure. conversation. But, yeah. Okay. Is that what we have on uh, on Fight Club? I think that's that's all I had to talk about, really. Okay, well, uh, let's talk about some other uh, changes of opinion that we may have had. Yeah, we flip flop. That was the catalyst for for most of this, um, and this was this was yours. I I, um, I did push for this to be our hundred. I, I think it was know. a great idea. I think it was a great idea to revisit our our first episode or our first movie. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I think I was a little bit hard on the movie Cargo, the Australian, Australian or New Zealand? I, I, it was Australian. Australian movie, uh, uh, zombie movie. Um, because I think I held that movie, uh, probably to a standard of like an American studio zombie movie. And this Mm. is an independent uh uh foreign kind of lower budget movie but the concept was good and since then i've also watched the short film that it's based on yeah and uh and i i kind of it kind of gave me a little more context for this movie that movie I still, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, like, I, I don't think it's a perfect movie i don't think but... it's a perfect movie either i'm not giving it a pass on being like a little bit slow or whatever but i think I think all in all, I was, I was probably a little harder on that movie than I needed to be, and I think it is, it is a a higher concept movie than I gave it credit for. Okay, nice. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I've changed my opinion on anything. Uh, the Book of Eli. I mean, that's true. You I, went, I have you, talked about that. You here, did. Yeah. Uh, did you go on TV's Travis's? Yeah. Uh, uh, wait, you haven't seen. Uh, I, to talk about that? I can't remember if that was that show, but it was TV's Travis that right. I talked about it with. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes, too, so uh, you know you don't have to go in-depth about it here. But, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I watched that movie, and it kind of clicked with me. Uh, I, I still don't know why. I just had a visceral, did not like that sure. movie when I first watched it. It was probably just how I was feeling that day, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight look but... uh, i i clearly remember there is about a 45 minute argument you and i had there's a that, whole theology that I, debate i cut out of that and that i think that movie messed your perception of that movie got messed up because religion is weird and has a lot of baggage to be fair I've got a lot of baggage when i do it comes too to religion i do so. too on on both sides of it and i think that we we uh, disagreed on that movie at the time, and I think, um, I think that's the, I think that's what's great about 
revisiting movies sometimes mm -hmm. and you and and saying i was wrong like i've i've been wrong on this podcast before i've been wrong, wrong you in just life changed your opinion other people don't like that movie too and they didn't think you know, <laughs> it's, you know like yeah and I, I, I think in this case i let my kind of my personal biases cloud my own judgment and looking back like that rewatch that i did uh was really good for me because i i was able to see like this is a really positive message here right that i didn't see before and and i really liked that people's baggage does that for movies all the time my own too Every, everybody brings their own personal experience to whatever art they're engaging with whether they know it or not and, right and that is going to affect how you feel about it whether you want it to or not it just will yeah you know like I'm more of a dog person, but I saw the movie Cats, and I just, I couldn't there, get behind there it. There you go. <laughs> a greater parallel has never been I'm only drawn. kidding, guys. I'm definitely a cat person. Uh, the only other one I put on my list was uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. I think I, I was too good to that movie. I think I should have been a little bit harder on that movie. And I think I was a little bit hard on that movie, and I, I think it wasn't enough. But, um... Fair enough. I but Kong Skull Island, I stand by that movie. It's a really good Vietnam movie. Yeah, it actually is a really good Vietnam movie. No, I mean that <laughs> yeah. like for real. Yeah. Uh, I I disagree with you on that, but I'm I think the Godzilla Kong franchise is very much a franchise now, uh, which has right. its own downfall. Uh, but... uh, take take that as good or bad, however you see fit. You know, I'm I'm along for the ride. I'm having fun with them. Uh, but they're also oh, I'm not, not saying I'm not going to go watch any more of those movies. I mean, they're not high concept or anything. So sure. I, I just have a fun time watching them. Yeah. I think that was, that's my problem with Godzilla versus Kong is that it tries to be high concept at a certain point. Oh no, it's about being in the middle of the earth and weird gravity. And uh, it's just like, I just, just let them fight. Stick to the monsters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Um, you have okay. down here, uh, top three favorite episodes. Yeah, I, I don't know if we really want to do episodes, the top three Episodes specific. or movies? I, I think episodes. I, I wanted to hear about discussions, uh, or just kind of fun movies to review that you remember. Oh, man. Uh, do you, if you have one, go ahead. I'm, I'm going to look at our episode yeah, uh, list. I had a few. I loved our talk on Baby Driver. I, I feel like we connected, like our opinions really well. Like I, I, I remember having a fun time talking about that one. Cool. Uh, and then what else do we got? So I know I had more. Well, uh, while you're looking, I'll throw out one that I'm going to remember. Cause it was recent. Uh, I think our Babylon episode was actually, Oh yeah. Well, we couldn't um, stop talking about that. Movie. I, I think, uh, you, you shed some light on parts of that movie that I had not, decoded and i think we had a really interesting talk about old hollywood and uh stuff like you know i just i thought i thought it was a really uh interesting movie um and you want to talk about uh, i guess this fits in with uh changed opinions not that i had a negative opinion of that movie but like that movie has sunk in with me more like i've kept thinking about that movie so it's sort of like I'm sort of liking that movie more just in retrospect of the things that it was talking about and things like that and seeing it as 
kind of maybe a more important movie than I initially did. But I think uh, I think we had a really fun discussion about that. I, I like when you bring up a movie that you're super enthusiastic about and um, and that I uh, maybe don't have to be as enthusiastic about it, but I also like it. And then that I don't I don't know. I think that was kind of fun because you kind of I feel like you kind of led the way on that discussion. You, I was very excited to talk about it. I, um, it's it's hard to I understand it's hard to lead a discussion when you co-host with me because I probably box you out of the conversation uh, uh, more than I should. But I do like when you really have something to say and you know what you want to say and you you take the reins and you go with it. And I feel like that's one of those episodes where you did that. I, I, I don't like leading the discussion all the time because like I'm I'm not fully confident I in never my did it until we like started the show either. So yeah, I get it. Uh but no, I, I really liked that episode. Uh another one where this is another one where I think I led the discussion, uh was Juno. I I know you don't like that movie, and I wasn't expecting you to, but I really wanted to talk about it with you and just, like, share that. I think we had a good discussion on that because we had different opinions. And we, you know, hurt each other. We weren't fighting about it. No, I think that was a good discussion. I think I remember that episode, like, the most, I think. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, Let's have a look here. I'm trying to... Look through all our episodes. There's a oh. hundred of them, so it's a lot. All the way back, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I think that was the first... Oh, yeah. Uh, the first movie we kind of got philosophical about and kind of got a little <laughs> bit deeper with. Uh, I, I really like that movie, and I liked... I think I just have a, a good memory of enjoying sharing that movie with you. I, I remember a um, lot of like we were talking about space and, uh, space and, like, and, and, uh, and what the uh, higher meant. beings and and different All of that. Uh, deeper meanings and uh, symbolism and I I don't know it's it's a lot of what I like about this doing this show is when I share a movie with you especially something like that that's so weird and I you know there's a fifty percent chance you're gonna be like the fuck is this. And you really came, well, we, you had locked in with it and really, we had a, a really good conversation. I know a lot of younger people who have watched 2001 and come away from it like dumb, it just refused to, you know, you can tell when somebody just didn't even try to engage with something, you know, like, right. they're just like, oh, it's boring and stupid. And they're just, they're just trying to be pretentious. It's like, well, you know, or you know you could try to see and uh, yeah i just really yeah, appreciated they... that we we were able to kind of have a uh interesting conversation and to revisit it in watching 2010 uh like yeah, last year both last of those summer. movies yeah. were fun and if you didn't get 2001 you probably just don't have a high iq like me Probably not smart okay <laughs> no I, I don't know what to tell you man uh, it's all right there you know, i just i like that you engaged with it and that we we uh we had a good 
conversation there. Yeah, uh, and then I also wanted to, I think this might be my favorite uh, episode that we've ever done, is the one on Baby Driver. I'm gonna scratch that. Uh, <laughs> I think the... F- my favorite that we've ever done is the one on Boss Baby. Oh, Boss Baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh, great. I, Classic. We, we talked, I think it was two hours on yeah. that, that movie uh, about the philosophy. Check the archives. Uh, uh, it's, it's back there. Yeah, you, you think you haven't heard searching. it. Just keep looking. Look, <laughs> you might want to listen to all our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, those are all. those are all... Uh, those are all good choices. Okay, let's play a game. Let's go. Alright, Austin. Do you think you can name the top five actors who have appeared the most in our movies? Yes. Really? I think so. Okay. Probably not, but I'm gonna try. Alright. Let me think about this. Uh, who do you think is our number one? I'm already, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman has to be up there in the top. Uh, let's see. Do you want me to tell you if you're correct as you go? You want to no, pick them one at a time? No, I'm, I'm going to do my five who I think are like the top five. They might not be the right order, but okay. then you tell me if any of them are right. Uh, Brad Pitt has to be somewhere in there. Um, so you got Gary Oldman and Brad Pitt. Yeah. And those were the two that immediately popped to mind, and I have no one else right now. So oh. I I can't think. Uh... You do have the number one in two spots right now. Okay. Do you want right. to guess which one's number one and which one's number two? Brad Pitt might be number one. What is that your guess? That's my guess. Yeah. Brad Pitt is number one. Okay. With eight movies. Wow. Okay. Um... I think Jared Leto's probably in a few. Ooh. Is he on? He's not maybe even he's on not my in the list. Top five. Um, let me see. <clears throat> Martin Freeman has been in a few movies we've seen, right? Maybe not. Uh, scratch that. Uh, <laughs> Are you Margo... mixing these up with your other podcast? Margot Robbie has also been in maybe just a few things I've seen recently. I will tell you, uh, true in true Hollywood form, our top five are all, all men. white men. Yes. Uh, shocker. All white men. Wow. That... I really wish they weren't, but they are. Yeah. I With watching movies, that's kind of how it I mean, yeah. Goes, it but... I did blame us for a while, then I go, wait a minute. <laughs> Not to push that off. I mean, we could watch more different movies, but... Okay, now I gotta think. Um, who's in everything? It's gotta be character actors. Uh, it's gotta be, yes. right? Um, this is tough. It won't be tough when... Once you tell me... The like, number three, you're gonna kick yourself if you don't get it. He is a character actor. And he's been in a bunch of stuff we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. Wait. Wait. Okay. Oh, I think he's got I it. don't know his name. Oh, uh, no, he is, doesn't. Is this the mocap guy that plays Caesar? Holy shit, you got our number four. That was the one I thought for sure okay. you would not get. He has been in 
four of our movies, Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Would you like to guess the four movies he's been in? He, the Planet of the Apes. Okay, that's three. Uh, there was, I remember, a, you were like, <laughs> hey, he's in this. And I was like, I'm not used to seeing him. I don't remember what it was. Was it Bullet Train? He was in The Batman. The Batman. He plays Alfred in the the newest Batman. Okay, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, now stay on that track of characters in Batman movies. Okay. Um... Or actors Ro- in Batman Robert movies. Patterson? No, not those no. Batman movies. Oh, oh, uh, Christian Bale. Nope. Come on. Oh, wait. Who's been in every movie, almost, of a certain director? Give me a minute. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my god, Austin. No, <laughs> No, am I wrong? I'm wrong. Uh, can't remember his name. Say the the guy who plays Robin in the Batman trilogy, right? No. Okay, just tell me. I I'm not gonna get it. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Oh my <laughs> Michael god. Michael Caine has been in six of our films. They are all Christopher Nolan oh movies. Oh my god. Okay. That Batman Begins, sense. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, Tenet, Interstellar, and he is uncredited in Dunkirk. All right. Okay. And then who is, who's number five? Number five is John Lithgow, was in Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Interstellar, 2010, and a movie we've tried so hard to forget, The Bubble. Oh, that's uh, right. The bubble. Can you name all the Gary Oldman or Brad Pitt movies? Uh, let me see. Gary Oldman was in uh, True Romance. Hey, good he one. He was in all three of the Planet of the Apes, right? Or nope. No, just one, just one of them? One of them, yep. He wasn't in the third? No. Nope. Okay. Um, that's where my memory cuts he out. He was in all three of another trilogy we covered. Oh, uh, Batman. He was in all the Batman right? movies, yeah. Um, what else was he in? Can't think of it. The Book of Eli. I always forget yep. that because he's like so different in yeah. that. Like he, it's not a role I'm used to seeing him play. And he is in uh, the Professional. Leon the Professional. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I confused that with true romance in my head. I was uh-huh. picturing... That's the same guy, apparently. Speaking of true romance, can you uh, name all the Brad Pitt movies? Uh, true romance. Yes, uh, they're one they had together. We did their perfect movie. That's great. Uh, then we have Bullet Train. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, my memory's cutting out here. Uh, we just spent an hour talking about it. Fight Club, man. Oh my god, he's in Fight Club. <laughs> hey guys, I don't know names. I'm really bad with actors. Oh, uh, you're the best. He was in I, Tanya, wasn't he? Uh, he was not. No, oh, that's uh, whoever plays Bucky in the MCU. Oh yeah, Sebastian uh, Stan. That's yep. it. Um, Brad Pitt. We didn't watch uh, World War Z, did we? Nope. Okay, but that is a movie he's in. Yeah, he is in that movie. All right, what what else was he in? Uh, he was also in Moneyball. Oh, wait, he was in uh, Babylon, wasn't he? He was in Babylon. And he was in the other one we saw, 
uh, before that, that was... And the one after that. God, okay, give me the names, because I can Inglorious Bastards, Babylon, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we watched them right in a row. Wow. Uh, and, uh, Moneyball, and Ad Astra. Moneyball, okay, yeah. Ad Astra, a great movie. He doesn't look like Brad Pitt in Ad Astra. He's a little, uh, quieter, a little cleaner cut. Yeah. Yeah. He feels older, too. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. That's our top five actors. Uh, do you, you have to know our top director. Christopher Nolan. Uh, Easily. Not even close. It was. Don't confuse with favorite guys. By by a, by a long, he is one of my favorites. I like Uh, him a lot. Dunkirk, Tenet, the Batman trilogy, and Interstellar. Uh, the next closest number was three, and we had three directors that we watched three of their movies. Do you know that? Is Edgar Wright one of them? No. Okay. Think to our trilogy season. All three of them were featured in our trilogy season. Oh, this is really bad. Uh, the I'm trying to remember the director of okay the pl- Planet of the Apes. Does his name end in like Ball or Hall? No, it's uh, Matt Reeves. Maybe that was the writer. Okay, Matt Reeves. He only did two of the Apes movies, and he did the Batman. So that's right. We saw him three times. The other two, Robert Rodriguez, did the Mariachi trilogy. Yeah. And Sam Raimi did the Evil Dead trilogy, but he's at the top of this list because he also appeared as an actor in um, Miller's Crossing. Okay, so he kind of shows up four times. He has like a cameo in in, uh, Miller's Crossing. Okay. Uh, We had a few directors that had two movies. Do you know? Do you know? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Five directors we saw twice. I don't know. I'd just be grasping at straws. Uh, but I, I, I want to know, like, who... Uh, the Coen Brothers. We saw True Grit and Miller's Crossing. Right. Jordan Peele. We saw... Oh, I should have guessed Get that. Out and Nope. Tarantino and Glorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he wrote True Romance, but we've seen him direct twice. Okay. Uh, Steven Soderbergh, Logan Lucky, and Haywire, both... Real early in the first season for us, uh, we need to revisit a Soderbergh movie. You know, uh, speaking of, Adam Driver should be higher on our actor list, shouldn't he? Uh, Maybe this, not. This and uh, Marriage Story, I think, is all we've seen him in. Lucky Logan and Marriage Story. Yeah. Okay. It but does there seem was like more in there, but it does I guess seem not. like we we should have seen him no, more. We've avoided I mean, we should, talking about Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> we should have seen. I thought Margot Robbie would make the list, but uh, right. we only saw her in those three movies in our most recent season. Yeah, once we review a movie that she's <laughs> recently been in, Asteroid City. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I do want to review that too, but uh, let's see Soderbergh and uh, James Whale. Who did Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. And my last thing on the list, can you name our only director to also star in the movie he directed? Hmm. Sam Raimi? No. No. Kenneth Branagh, uh, Death on the Death on the Nile. Oh, okay. Um who we've I, also, I forget that he's a director as well. We but... also saw him in Tenet and uh dunkirk so right we did see him with nolan quite a few times you know those british guys they'll stick together 
That's my game. That's it. I just, I wanted, uh, uh, that was fine. It, it was, like, <laughs> if I missed anything, if there's somebody that you're like, Oh dude, th- this character actor who was in like 10 of our movies, honest to God, email me, let me know. Please. Because I really, I did this kind of off the top of my head and cross-referenced a few things on IMDb and tried to make it as complete a count as I could. Please, please tell me we saw like a black woman 10 times and we just somehow, you know, it's like, oh, of course, uh, Octavia Spencer is in all of these movies, you know, that'd be great. I, I, I but, love stats though. So seeing like kind of the, the top of what we're watching yeah. or, yeah, I, I think that's interesting. It's all born out of going, have we now seen more Brad Pitt than Gary Oldman and, uh, uh, trying to. Here's a question that I, I you probably don't have the answer to. How many best pictures Ooh. or like Oscar winners in general have we? Hmm. Oscar winners in general. And probably a bunch. Probably more than we think. I don't know that we've seen a lot of. Have we seen any best pictures? Maybe. I don't know. I really. I, I don't keep up to date. I with, don't you know. follow. Uh, there was a few years. Uh. There was a few years where I watched the Oscars and actually, like, would go, oh, oh, that won this year. Okay. I remember um, you, one time you filled out, like, I, I did, cards, I've done the, like, I've done the ballot a few, a few times, uh, just, you know, for just fun. for fun. Um, but I never see enough movies in the actual year to actually know, you know what I mean? I always feel like, oh, yeah, I'll only root for movies that i really like that's the scam is to get you to see get all you to of see the movies all. that's right um that's fun though we we gotta start watching more movies just to get just to get the oscar ballads and uh, oh oh yeah, yeah just try and uh, just to change the stats we need a little more, bit we need more gary oldman our we next to, 100 <laughs> episodes are gonna focus all on this actor that's right um but yeah that's uh that's it. You want to do some shout outs? Uh, yeah. You see, got one shout out here. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Beanstalk Pottery. Uh, Finally. This is a small time ceramic artist in Chicago. Cool. And she makes like mainly like kitchen stuff like, you know, kettles, teacups and okay. things of that nature. Uh, but like, with really cool, a lot of polka dot, a lot of abstract patterns, and a lot of, like, rainbow drip kind of stuff. So I just wanted to shout her out and, like, give her her website with all her shop information just because yeah. I, I think she's making some really cool stuff. So if you're in need of an, a new set of, you know, anything, any bowls or anything, check her out. Support small, independent artisan craftspeople that's it i i follow her on instagram and it's always really fun to see what she's making that's cool who are you shouting out i am shouting out the youtube channel of matt garvey that is matt garvey comics and uh matt is a comic writer i've just recently found him on blue sky that's right i'm a member wow how'd you get that exclusive offer Uh, (laughs) maybe you'll find out someday uh, anyway, uh, there's a, there is currently a really good comics community over on Blue Sky. 
if you get an invite someday, you'll know. The first rule of blue sky is <laughs> don't talk, don't talk about, about blue, blue sky. sky. <laughs> the second rule of blue sky. Don't talk about I'm just blue enjoying sky. it before it turns into Twitter 2.0 and uh which will happen. It will happen. Um but uh anyway, I, I found a bunch of kind of indie comics people over there, started following them, seeing what they're up to. Matt Garvey runs a YouTube channel. Um and his videos are uh, most of them are short, five to ten minutes, and he just talks about writing comics, uh, shipping comics, how to finalize the comics, how to hire an artist. Real, practical, common sense advice. It's not some bloated two-hour video that you got to dedicate your day to. It's it's just straight and to the point. And he's made a bunch of comics and hired artists. It's all born out of his experiences of doing it. And this is a lot of what this community is about it's like we talk about with podcasting is independent people learning by doing and then passing that along and helping others do it too and i think that's exactly what these communities are about and that's exactly what his youtube channel is showing so i i think it's a really great channel uh that breaks down a lot of comics specific writing advice you know what i mean it's not like writing a screenplay or not like writing a novel it's, right it's it's niche it's yes and uh and I, I think it's a lot of just really really good advice as someone who has made comics for a lot of years but hasn't necessarily properly written a ton of stuff i'm pretty new to that i'm finding it really helpful that's cool so i i, I like stuff like that where it's like the whole community is kind of like yeah under an apprenticeship almost yeah you know, it's, like it's, you're all building uh, knowledge sharing information and yeah uh, for sure um on that note uh those links will be in the show notes uh so please check those out and uh know that we thank you for listening to this episode and any of the previous 100 plus episodes on our feed Thank All you of the episodes. Uh, for giving us. Yes, it is. It is well over 100. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, thanks so much for giving us your time. If you enjoy our show, please leave a review on your podcatcher of choice. It helps our visibility and helps us grow the show. That's right. And another way to help us grow the show is if you tell a friend about us, uh, any movie lover, anything. We are not like Fight uh, Club. Please do talk about us. That's right. Please. Uh, the best way to watch our show, not a lot of people know this, uh, is if you sit in a dark room, turn on our podcast and listen to all 100 episodes consecutively yes. in a row. Yes. And consume all that right away. Go ahead and do that. Uh, and then email us and tell us how you feel. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> what psych ward are you staying yes. in now? <laughs> exactly. Uh, anyway, uh, what are we doing next week for our 101st <laughs> You almost episode? said 101 <laughs> It's a word, right? It is now. What else would we watch? We couldn't find a proper uh, movie with 100 in the title, so we kicked it down the road in episode. We're watching Disney's 101 Dalmatians. We're talking about the original animated version. Uh, kicking it old school. I can't wait to revisit this movie. I, I have not seen it in years. And this is one of, for me, uh, the classic 
Disney canon that I love, this era of Disney. Um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm excited. I I didn't know they made a sequel to Cruella. So uh, and they, know, it's, it's it's really yeah. Uh, instead yeah. of CGIing the whole thing, they animated. They animated. It. So I'm yeah. I'm interested to see how that looks. They never finished it. Uh, yeah, they never finished the CGI. They didn't put it. the live action in there anyway. Yeah. Very anyway, strange. be really good to see Emma Stone in an early role. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for that though. Cool, cool. Well, uh, Austin, tell the people how they can get a hold of us. You can find our email, Austin and Phil Rude, at email. Sorry. Ah. You can email us at Austin and Phil at gmail.com uh, and tell us what you think of the show or what we should review next or what your favorite of our first 100 episodes oh, were. Oh, yes, please. You can also find us on Letterboxd. That is Austin and Rude on Letterboxd. And I am Phil Rude on Letterboxd. We keep lists of what we're watching. I have a list of everything we've watched for the show. Uh, check us out there. Uh, that's it for this week. Austin, do you want to read the credits? Uh, yeah. This season, it looks like we did everything ourselves. Still doing it ourselves. That's right. There you have it. We'll see you next time on The Picture Show. See ya. Thank you.